This is Karen K2T. Yo, this is Toby Colossus. And you are listening to the Think Breaks podcast. How's it going, guys? It is season two, episode 14. And it feels like it's been a while since we've done a roundtable episode, but um, we are back. It's me, it's Toby, and Terry's back for the first time in about three months. Has it really been, been a, that long? It's been yeah. a while since we've had Terry on the show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Maybe How are you doing? How are you? I'm very well, actually. I'm, I'm, I'm good. Um, good, good, good. It's been a exciting few weeks, shall we say? And by exciting, mm-hmm. I mean incredibly stressful. Um, That's generally what exciting means. Yeah, but uh, coming out the other side of it now, looking forward to some peace and quiet for a while. Nice. Oh, What's been going on? Work and whatnot. Work. Work's been insane. For about a month now. I mean, it's been it's been building for about six nine months, but the last nine months has been extraordinarily stressful. Mm. I will look forward, and we've had the whole COVID in the house episode as well, which didn't help. Oh yikes! Yes, and uh, which, as most people who are in the Discord and who know me know that I have somehow, by some miracle of whatever deity you believe in, have somehow dodged it. I still don't <laughs> really understand how that's happened. But um, yeah, no, it's, it's yeah. we good. That's what we like to hear. That's what we like to hear. What have you guys been up to lately then, apart from work? Um, I've not been up to an awful lot, to be honest. Um. I had a bit of a nightmare happen, actually, in my house. <laughs> the uh, ceiling in the front room decided to cave through. Oh, no. The other day. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> um, it was due to like a load of water logging, I guess. Yeah. Uh, we've been complaining about this leak in our shower for ages, and they've always come around as a plumber and like sorted the shower out, but never actually taken it seriously when we've talked about like the kind of weird crack in the roof that was for- in the ceiling, sorry, that was forming. <laughs> and then the other day, yeah. It finally just had enough and came through. So yeah, that's been fun. <laughs> wow. Was it? Was yeah. anyone underneath it at the time? I take you know what? Weren't. No, thankfully not. No, they were actually sat pretty close though. They were on the sofa because it's literally about two meters uh, from like the Jesus. right from the sofa in front of where the TV is in the front room. Wow. So uh, yeah, it's just above going into the kitchen as well. So anyone going into the kitchen or going into the backyard or whatever, imagine if they'd just been walking through and it like landed. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that could break a bone right there. Yeah. And we like the, the thing same. is, we, we, we were scared like the shower was going to go through. Like, oh, but we've been told apparently we can still use the shower and it won't actually go through. It's like secure up there. It yeah. was just a layer of plaster that got wet and then kind of collapsed in on itself eventually, I suppose, yeah. like rotted away. But you've still, gone. it's scary stuff. <laughs> you've got wooden beams. Yeah. That, that they can do. Like, we had the same thing happen here like almost identical except that the i ended up putting my foot through the floor upstairs rather than it coming down and oh, wow. uh, again leaking shower and it'd been leaking for ages and water had been pooling underneath the floor and we didn't know yeah. about it because we had watertight flooring and yeah it was an absolute nightmare but i've seen the insides of the ceilings and the floor now and they are pretty sturdy like yeah sh- i mean it does look it does look pretty pretty sturdy up there um yeah it's just the main plastering, plastering, isn't it? And like the cheap yeah. kind of bits of plywood they used or whatever. Yeah, yeah, plasterboard and stuff. And it, yeah, and when it gets wet and it comes down, it does weigh a bit. 
Yeah, that's it, isn't it? Like, I was cleaning up the rubble as well and, and like, just at the last second realised, but was manhandling, like, a dead mouse <laughs> oh, <laughs> that, was, that had either come down with all of that or that or just, like, I don't know, drowned in the water that's trapped up there or something. I don't know. Wow. But that was absolutely, uh, yeah, it was disgrace, disgusting and very grim. Nasty. Nasty. Yeah. Fun. But, uh, yeah. Like, not an awful lot of other stuff springs to mind, really. What about mm. you, Karen? Um, well, not a huge amount. I mean, work has been super busy lately as well. Musically as well, I've done a few bits. Um, I mean, at the time of this recording, we're going to have a detached party in about two hours' time to celebrate Mr. Ross Fresh. So that should be fun. Um, nice. Yeah, yeah. So we've got uh, Mr. Bernie one of our old hosts. Uh, we've got Pixis, Sammy Hall, Rosie, all doing some sets. So that should be some good fun. Shout nice. to all them four. Mm. Um, yeah, so I'm looking forward to that. Um, it's always... Um, well, you know, I don't have to do too much. I just have to make sure the tech's all working okay. Just sitting there behind the screens like, okay, Happy people days. are talking. But um, yeah, should be good vibes. Um, apart from that, musical bits, had some tunes come out. They're okay. No, I'm kidding. I, I quite like the tunes that came out. But um, yeah, that's me really. You know what, Speaks, you mentioning uh, sets, I, I, I was up to something actually. I got asked uh, from Nelva to uh, put oh, yeah. together a um, a guest mix for because he runs the Celsius podcast, mm. um, so that should be dropping at some point soon. Awesome. That was nice. Start recording nice that. It just came. It just just that memory just popped in my head as you started talking about. Uh, it's like oh yeah, I've been mixing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what? No, it's good to hear that you've been uh, doing music and stuff. Um, yeah, I've been on a bit of a musical block, I suppose. Mm. Uh, How late. I don't know. It's it's one of those ones where like I've tried different uh, different approaches to kind of crack on with stuff. I'm like managing some bits, but just nothing nothing is really kind of hitting home with like drum the drum and bass stuff I'm working on. Mm. Uh, what do you guys normally do to kind of I don't know I, try and get some inspiration? I tend to just make other genres at that time. Yeah. And then, and then by the time I've sort of like put my energies there, then I'm just like, okay, I can go back to drum and bass now. Yeah, like one of the first things you have to do is kind of accept it a little bit. Mm. I think yeah, the definitely. more the more you rail against the situation, the more angry or frustrated you get at it, oh, the totally, worse yeah. it gets. Uh-huh. Mm. So I think it's fine to accept that you're going to have a little break for a while. Yeah, and, I think yeah, that is that is the reality of it, really, isn't it? Yeah. And if you if you try forcing it as well, you'll mm. be able to hear it in the product, and it even yeah. won't be as good a product. Mm. Hmm. Can you, I mean, could you switch focus to doing sound design and, and building like a library of sounds, you know, just processing breaks and stuff? I know it's a bit tedious, but at some point that will pay off. Yeah, it's probably a good uh, practice to kind of get into, really. Yeah. Especially with drum loops as well, I guess, because then um, if you bounce out drum loops that sound pretty cool, then when you do get back into the habit of it, you've got all these pre-made loops that you did that you can mm. just drag and drop, and that speeds up the workflow like tenfold. Oh, yeah, guys, sure. Segway. Oh, you could go sample hunting. Oh, good segue. That's a good use. I of like the segue. that. I like that. I like that. Yeah. <laughs> Why well, you pay me the big bucks? 
Yeah, this is true. <laughs> this is why we have you on the show. Thank you so much. <laughs> so yeah, we are we we are going to discuss a bit about sampling today, aren't we? Uh, Indeedy. Bit of history, is that right? Karen? Yeah. It comes at good timing as well because I mean, at the time of this recording, just two days ago, the three of us were hosting a feedback session dedicated yeah. to flipping samples because uh-huh. um, we all ended up uh, flipping Nautilus by Bob James, which. As many people would know, although I bet some people probably don't know the name of the track, but know the track itself. It's been sampled countless times. I think um, I went on whosampled.com the other day and found 362 known samples of Nautilus. And it could be stuff like the hooks. It could be just drums and all that. Yeah. So, um, yeah, that was an interesting session, wasn't it, as well, hearing um, all those different flips and takes. It was, it yeah, because there mm. was a range of different um, styles as well, but mm. created from the same kind of... Uh, source you know yeah yeah like sample source which was really interesting to hear and the interesting thing with with sampling is you can take a as little or as much as you want and depending on the bits you take you know that 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 gives you a whole different context to work within and yeah i don't mm. know it's i i still find sampling a really interesting and misunderstood art form it's a great exercise to do as well because mm. it really tests your creativity as to because obviously you've got a full song and the context in which you hear a sample is based to that song as well. But when you start listening for specific elements and can immediately think, oh, yes, I can hear this in a style like this, which is completely different to the original. I think that's a good exercise for just thinking about creativity and stuff. Mm. I think that was the original when sampling first became a thing um and particularly with like thinking back to uh grandmaster flash and those guys and 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 i know it's not sampling in the in the sense that we think about it now but you know what he did was he found the bit of a record that the crowd got the most hyped to and then he would do his little kind of thing on the decks to extend that phrase of the record which is basically to my mind sampling yeah. He's, he's he's identified a piece of another work that is particularly unique or distinctive or exciting and he's he's made a new thing out of it and certainly in the early days i think that was that was the essence of the creativity it wasn't the mad chopping up it wasn't the processing it was the having the ear to hear yeah. those bits of other work do you know what i mean that mm. would you could then create something else with a hundred percent artists that really spring to mind uh, as far as that's concerned is like the prodigy fat mm. boy slim but moby you know like to me those guys are like absolute um icons at doing just that at finding specific parts sampling yeah. sampling and like like using them to kind of like make this composition and arrangement that really kind of works together so um, yeah it's definitely a skill that can be overlooked it's changed a lot in the days as well because um, obviously now I think when you um, ask certain people what sampling is, they would think, oh yeah, it's grabbing a bit from a sample pack where you've got just the stems or something. But um, I remember this was like months ago, I was talking to Jack Echo Motion about sampling because he showed me a record where he sampled something. And he made a really good point where sampling is not just about um taking that little hook or something that you like because you're actually sampling the entire essence of the record as well like little crackles and like the way mm-hmm. it's mixed down as well it's not just the melody which adds a lot of character uh-huh 
Yeah, that's very true. And it's, I think it certainly was, it was about crate digging was, was such a key thing back in the days. And I think one of the key things that's changed now is crate diggers as an art form is largely dead because of mm. the digitization and the, so how easy it is to find stuff. But I used to do it a lot because I, I started, I started in hip hop. So my, my first kind of musical love was was sort of late 80s early 90s hip-hop and i started my musical journey making hip-hop and that was all about finding those those crazy crusty old records lurking at the back of a record i would spend hours and hours in weird and wonderful record shops kind of flicking through and you couldn't really play the records either at that point you know it was just not viable like i would have a stack of 300 of the things for like 20 quid because they were like 20p each or something ridiculous so you just you a lot of it was based on the cover yeah um which was an interesting exercise in in what you actually got and some of the best samples i had i remember when 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 i was making early music we found in obscure children's music records we sampled mm. rupert the bear oh, right. <laughs> i remember that quite clearly <laughs> it was mad um and and yeah, really, just obscure soundtracks were always an amazing one. You know, from from weird seventies films and 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 sixties films, tons mm. of stuff. And you you kind of discovered. I'm really riffing a little bit and and jumping from topic to topic here, but you discovered artists as well. I mean, yeah. the Bob James thing. We'd have never heard of Bob James, probably. But I've listened to quite a lot of Bob James. I own Bob James records now. Because of the sampling, because he was sampled by, for, for me, it was the Westchester lady thing that um, Adam F. Oh, yeah. we, can we say that? Uh, I think we can. I mean, if it's listed on who sampled, we can probably yeah. say it, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I know Friction and KT also sampled it for Set It Off, the little um, the little glitchy sound that comes midway, so on. Right. Yeah. Right. yeah. Um, it's an exercise I've been wanting to try as well, because um, near, my, near my workplace, we've got a record store. Um, called Rough Trade. Um, it's yeah. down Brick Lane. I'm sure you guys know of Brick Lane. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I know Rough Trade. Well, oh, well, there we go. Cool. Um, so what I've done a few times, I just haven't had the time to actually make the track. But um, I sometimes take my friends there, and I say, um, "All right, I'm going to let you pick some track, pick some records just by the cover alone, and then when we get home, we'll look up the tunes and then see if we can sample these records." Uh, so. In my phone, I've just got photos of so many random vinyl covers, whether it's like mm. metal stuff, hip hop stuff, that I'm just ready to sample. But um, yeah, just haven't had time for it. But it's just such a good thing to do. And I mean, both of you, when we meet one day, I definitely want to do that with you guys as well. What's the what's the YouTube? There's a YouTube channel that's dedicated to that exact process. So they they will take a producer, they send him to a record shop, and he has to grab half a dozen, four records visually um that's that's rhythm roulette it's pretty rhythm good roulette, yes that's right yeah yeah really really cool there's yeah. um there was one um one which was uh by ninth wonder and i was, was, really... I was gonna say the ninth wonder one <laughs> oh terry you know that yeah. was such a good session um mm. and i know that um fact was it fact mag that did it against a clock mm. i know they okay. once had an episode that they asked fracture um 
to do mm-hmm. um, against the clock is basically make a track in 10 minutes and most yeah. people literally just sat, sit at their PC and riff and have some pro like already sorted drum samples and stuff that they just chuck on I've uh, seen that I've seen that before I'm pretty sure wasn't there wasn't there one where Spooky did it the grime artist yeah and... yeah yeah that's it exactly um, yeah but the one that Fracture did he changed it up a bit and what he did was he went to a record store first spent mm-hmm. two minutes just picking random records listening to them and then taking those records home and using those as the samples for his beat which mm-hmm. was a really cool tune and it was really mm-hmm. cool to see how he samples especially mm-hmm. with that 10 minute sample constraint as well mm-hmm. um yeah, it's just such a good exercise to do because it's. I think it, the techniques you learn from that end up boosting your own productions if you're not a sampler. Yes. It's, it's almost an exercise in ear training. Mm. Being able to pick out those little bits that just work together. And I also think it's... So sample packs are great. I knew we were going to come on to this eventually, weren't we? Yeah, of course. Um, but the effort has been taken out of it, hasn't it? It's like somebody's gone and found a pile of records, they've picked the best bits for you, and they've given them to you in exchange for money. And it's that process mm. of finding those things for yourself, the excitement of like flicking through a record or a CD or whatever, and finding that bit that you yeah. think no one else has heard. The, 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 the guys these days are missing that that process and that yeah. experience i'd almost argue that you can't like as silly as it sounds you can't you almost can't call using bought sample packs and like using the samples and loops and that as sampling <laughs> do you know what i mean no. i do no, see what you mean not, i do see it's not mean. really sampling it's just using no. kind of what you like you said already kind of um yeah chopped or yeah looped kind of segments that are just good to go it kind of loses the essence of what is yeah truly like yeah digging i think that's quite a controversial statement but i do agree with that as well to be fair <laughs> yeah, um, yeah well take it take it as you will yeah. but it's not trying but, to it's not it's not trying to no, shit on people not, using no, loops because i use loops i use samples I use you know, everyone does um but, but I I'm not going to call myself a master sampler, you know, just for using yeah. sample packs, right? <laughs> but then I'd argue in the in the counter argument for that. So obviously, you know, we've got sample packs, which obviously you can just go buy the whole pack. But then when you've got things like splice, noise, and so on, mm. technically, although it's not the new, the quite the it's same, the new digging. Yeah, could, yeah. Could you dig via splice and noise? Because essentially, yeah. you could just do. I suppose um, it is digging, which is a lot yeah. of the effort's taken out, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, exactly. You don't have to search through records because you're literally just hearing these pre-built loops. But at mm. the same time, there's like, what, tens of thousands of samples on Splice? I don't know. Uh, I would equate digging in Splice to basically being the same as going to HMV. There are other places to find sample packs outside yes. of those two platforms. And that is more of an exercise in digging. So there's um there's a there's a site called the Drum Broker. I use it a little bit, and they 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 publish a lot of packs by various late, uh, sample pack labels. And a lot of their sample packs are people like Frank Dukes and 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 people like oh. that who are who are proper musicians, and they're basically making compositions that sound like entire compositions, not samples, like whole songs that sound like 70s, 60s music, the era that we sampled. And they're basically saying, here's these songs, sample them. Right, okay. That's quite interesting. 
whole industry is is popped up of people making music to be sampled. Yeah, that sounds like has that old yeah. kind of feel and like yeah, 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 warmth to it. And that that kind of brings back to the whole thing about when sampling is not just sampling the hooks; it's sampling yeah. the essence of the record as well. You don't get that with loops and yeah. stuff that yeah. are polished. That's actually really interesting. Yeah, I'd recommend anyone go check out the site. The packs are expensive, mm. which in some ways. <laughs> kind of does it a bit of a favour because it means they're not proliferated too yeah. widely. You don't have um, like a million tracks with the same vocal sample. Exactly. Um, and you can, you know, if you want that old school kind of hip hop sampling vibe and, you know, in drum and bass as well, um, that's a good way to get it mm. uh, without actually having to physically have a record deck. Um, okay. I'm really bouncing on this one. How about... The idea of sample hunting on YouTube. And I tell you, somebody who's a master sampler, a modern master sampler, is Burial. Mm -hmm. And you, you, you guys have seen the track breakdowns. You're aware of like what he sampled and how he did it, yeah? Yeah, yeah. Yep. So for anyone not familiar with the process, Burial sampled bits from games so his favorite game is or was uh, metal gear solid a lot of the kind what of foley percussive noises are like weapons being dropped and pick okay, bits being picked yeah. up and then a lot of the vocals in his tunes or some of the vocals in his tunes at least are amateur singers kind of recording themselves and uploading themselves doing covers or their own unique pieces on mm. youtube and he sampled that and just processed to bits and processed like, the yeah. hell out of them, yeah, 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 rather than sampling the original records that were covered, yeah. I mean, so a he's circumvented uh clearance issues, yeah, to a certain extent because they're deemed as free it use, is clever, actually, yeah, that's yeah, really yeah. clever. But I don't know if he did it being clever or if he just sampled what was in front of him, yeah. See, I'd consider like a proper sampling thing as well because it's it's literally just like Craig Day game but just on the internet and yeah. um. Especially with YouTube and stuff, sure, you've got your recommended and your suggested videos after you've finished one. But for the most part, you do have to go based on something you think of and something that you just like the thumbnail for. Rather than a yeah. vinyl cover, you're looking at a YouTube thumbnail. There are, there are YouTube channels that are basically dedicated to people posting obscure music yeah. for sampling. Yeah. I'm subbed to one, uh, a mm. Danish channel. Uh, I can't remember the name right now, but they literally just post, post uh, music from Denmark, Pakistan, Afghanistan, mm. and so on. But these mm. are like really obscure records, not even like the pop songs of those days, but from the 40s and so on. And mm. it's really cool to just listen as well, not just sample, but just listen to the records and see how they sound. Mm. Yeah. I mean, without dropping any names here, really, but there is there's someone that I've come into, uh, that I've been made aware of, that actually uses Spotify in the same way that you're talking about YouTube here. Mm -hmm. um, and he actually has an app where he can record the audio straight from Spotify. And he just uses that and find goes through playlists and like take, like starts recording small snippets of samples and just builds up a huge kind of portfolio of samples to use. Mm -hmm. um, I think he might do that arguably because you get a better quality out of it over YouTube. Because I think YouTube of will compress the file quite a bit, won't it? And obviously I think Spotify does to a degree, but Probably not as extremely, mm. right? Um, I think you YouTube's at 128 or something, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's, it's just interesting. I thought it was quite interesting to see that even, because this is like quite a big name I'm talking about here as well. Um, right. But even people like that, yeah. 
using these these kind of processes. Mm. And it's, I, I guess that it kind of, that leads us nicely onto the kind of ethics side mm. of it. And is is it more ethical to sample a obscure vinyl record from the seventies than it is to do that to just go onto Spotify and sampling sampling right i've always had yeah. this thing where i don't think one sample is more ethical than another if you're yeah, cool true. With yeah. fundamental just because the process is different or easier yeah. it doesn't yeah it doesn't really change it in the eyes of the artist that's getting sampled if they were to have a problem you know no no yeah there was yeah, um point. uh an interesting case so i'm not going to drop names here but there were two very big name drum and bass artists one sampled the other and the uh, other tried to sue that person. Because I remember of this. I think but I know the, what this is, yeah. Yeah, but the person who was sampled had made their career from yeah. sampling other records. Right, so yeah. that always, I always found that difficult to, 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 to put, you know, to put that, uh, what's the word? To reconcile that. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Because to an extent, it is quite hypocritical. Totally hypocritical. Yeah. Totally. Like not even it's not even ambiguous. Like you've made True. your name by sampling other people, and then when somebody samples you, I think you've got to shrug and say, "Fair play, fair play." Mm. I did it, so you should do it too. Yeah. There's a bit of a thing in drum and bass about drum and bass artists not sampling each other. It's really frowned upon, and it always has been. Yeah, I, I've noticed that even when it comes to like a little like a drum loop, like to use as like a layer or something. Um, yeah. Again, not dropping names, but I know someone who received a lot of abuse for doing that um, when doing a production breakdown, for example. Mm. And even um, stuff like bootlegs and stuff. Some people get mm. really antsy about a drum and bass artist bootlegging another drum and bass tune. Speaking of bootlegging, uh, do you know what the original bootlegging was within music and not talking about moonshine <laughs> um no no so it was actually in the 1940s um have you heard of um a term music concrete i have heard the term but i it's escaping me what it means at the moment so basically it's um it was developed by a french composer called pierre schaefer um, mm -hmm. And basically, it's it's I've talked about it before. Actually, um, it's what's commonly known these days as electroacoustic composition. Mm. Oh yeah, and yeah. It's basically taking like yeah recorded sounds and using that as the raw material to kind of create um, create soundscapes and stuff. But it's quite interesting that that was the first kind of use of sampling. Apparently, people sampled um, everyday sound to create music before they actually sampled other music in music. Do you know what I mean? Mm. Um, I found, I found that quite interesting. Carrie's just gone full mast as you've described. Okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just like, Oh my God, the Foley. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. But yeah. And, and it's quite interesting as well, because like it, I'd like music concrete is such an important aspect to quite a lot of dance music, especially mm -hmm. these days with the amount of, the amount of kind of, um, influences like you were talking about with burial using, um, the metal gear solid gun reloads mm. and shots and stuff as like Foley hits. Um, yeah, I thought it was quite interesting. It's like as early as 1940. And then it wasn't until um, about the 60s, I think. Um, was it the 60s? Or maybe it was the 80s uh, with James Brown, you know, the funky drummer. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That um, was the kind of main turning point, I believe, with like when, all they, when you were talking about earlier with the hip-hop DJs getting into it and 
Yeah, so with James Brown's The Funky Drummer, I have a guess at how many oh, are on who sampled. <laughs> uh, it must be thousands. Uh, it's the drum loop, though, isn't it? I mean, yeah, it's the drum break. Yeah, yeah and yeah. I mean, I guess the same applies to Think About It by Lynn Collins. We kind of have to yeah. shout that out on this podcast anyway. Um, Apparently, it's yeah. 1,538. Wow. Uh, Jesus. Yeah. On The Funky Drummer and Who Sampled. Apparently, it's the most sampled drum loop. Uh, really? No way. I would have, I would have thought it would be an Amen, yeah. yeah. It's just the Amens don't. They, they haven't been. Yeah, it's got to be Amen. I wonder why Amen didn't get mentioned on this in this article that I've got here. Because I mean, I mean, we've got a whole genre that was pretty much birthed by it, right? So yeah. there'd be too many tracks to count. I think that's part. Of the yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, probably. Yeah, as as we're speaking, there's probably like 200 producers that have just whacked an Amen on their track. Yeah. That, yeah, very true, actually. And and 150 of them are me. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. No, I'd I'd love to know the amount of tracks that have sampled that. There's it. I mean, the whole story. We'll never know. That's the thing. The whole story behind that is quite interesting as well, isn't it? And I get you guys probably know it, but for the benefit of anyone listening who's not kind of aware of this, the uh... so Amen Brother was a B side of mm. the winston's winston's had a hit called color him father or mm. color me father one of the two and the amen brother was a b-side completely different to their normal stuff as well like they were a gospel kind of band yep. and um they did not they were not aware they had no idea of of how much it was sampled and i'm pretty sure members of, of the band passed away without ever knowing that that mm, had happened yeah and really then, sad. That's crazy. And then sort of four, maybe, ooh, I don't know, five, six, eight years ago, something like that, somebody did a, a GoFundMe, or, or what the early equivalent of that was, to, to, to raise some money for the remaining, or one of the remaining members of the band. And uh, they they presented him a, a fair chunk of money, you know, 20, mm-hmm. 25,000. So I've got that in my head. I don't know how accurate that is. But I, I, I donated a little bit. And I'm sure a lot of other producers did. And uh, I remember it was quite touching that this guy, you know, finally. And if I remember correctly, he was he was broke as well. Yeah, he was broke. He didn't have a yeah. his name or something yeah. like that, if I remember. Yeah, mad. Mm. To think just, um, especially since it's just a B-side and it's literally just, was it seven seconds a minute into the track as well? To think mm. of like... At the time when they did that, they had no idea of the beast that was about to come out no. of that. Crazy. That's what I find really impressive. And such, um, like, tonally as well, that drum loop is so unique. Like, people mm. have tried to recreate it loads of time, and no one's ever got anywhere near it. Like, not even close, because it's just got such a unique tone and vibe to yeah. it it's uh whenever you hear like a re-recorded amen it's just nothing like it it's not right no it's like a total like yeah it's it was just like the perfect kind of space of the environment it was in mm. what was being used to record like the tuning of the kit yeah just like everything about like, where it was positioned in that recording it would have there would have just been something very unique about the room i'm assuming to give it that kind of like yeah that to- totally that that kind well of sound, to warm sound, yeah. It could have even been like mistakes in the recording process. You know, the whole scenario yeah. was, you know, a, a moment in time, wasn't it? Mm. Yeah. Exactly that. Did you guys see that there's, um, there's a sample pack released fairly recently by Clyde Stubblefield? 
who was the original mm. funky drummer no actually. i remember you telling me about it but i haven't actually seen it yeah so he's actually recorded a specifically a sample pack this isn't samples of clive stubblefield this is clive stubblefield recording a sample pack for a sample pack company oh wow um nice i think a couple of guys in the discord have bought it it does sound pretty good and and, and they've i've seen a, another one now another famous drummer has done done the same thing and um it doesn't sound right though that's something because it, it's it's got modern recording techniques it's got modern recording techniques yeah. it's clean and it's not quite right yeah, you can get a similar, there's like a similar thing with like East West. There's um, drummers that have actually recorded like a drum library. Mm. So you've got it all into like individual hits and whatnot. Um, but yeah, again, it's it's got that very much very top quality production value mm. Mm. that isn't really, doesn't really hit what you're looking for of an old, old kit, you know, and an old break. It's difficult to define what that is. Yeah, it is. It you is. Know? Just thinking about it, then it's just like, what is that? <laughs> and if you can only sort of describe it in a subjective way, like the way you say it wouldn't mm. be the way someone else says it. No. Yeah, true. No. And how much of that difficult to describe thing is nostalgia? Mm. Ooh, true. interesting point. Interesting point there. True that. Mm. Oh, speaking of nostalgia, then uh, before we go into our into our new little segment. Um, de, de, do you guys know, remember what your like, first sampled bit of music was or mm. in a tune at the top of your head? Can you think of something that sticks out? Yeah. I mean, as someone who's a newish producer, I always was down to splice root. Um, but uh, I also had a moment when I was... Um, so I've got right in front of me, I've got a Zoom recorder. And um, what I did during the pandemic was record... Like just leave it recording while I head to work. So then I've got stuff like the train station, uh, my drive if I was driving in, and if I was driving in, then the sound of like the atmosphere around the car park. And since I work in IT, um, and I'd go into the server room and it'd still be recording. And I use that in some tunes as well, just as like an extra little texture. Um, other things I've sampled, obviously sampled Nautilus very recently, which went down a treat. Um, Apart from that, I can't actually remember any other proper samples I did. Um, I, I probably, yeah, probably 92, maybe even 91 was oh. when I first sampling bits when I was making hip hop. Nice. That's before I was born. That was like the true days as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and we used to find, I mean, we, we were sampling records that we had obvious stuff. So we had like Motown compilations and stuff. And we were, we were taking yeah. bits and pieces of that. But another thing we used to do is... Um, a lot of the hip-hop artists back then would list their sample sources. I guess like the ones who'd actually cleared things were they legally had to do it. So they were on the covers. They were on the backs of the covers under the song title, you know, the little song mm. info things. And we would then go find them and you'd get the album that that was on and then you'd discover more that way. Mm. Uh, and uh, yeah, apart from the aforementioned Rupert the Bear soundtrack, I mean, we sampled like... Uh, Band of Gold by, oh, who was that? Oh, I can't remember who it was. Again, famous kind of soul, northern northern soul kind of record. Um, I, I, I know there was an, a bit of Otis Redding. There was um, some reggae. So the Twinkle Brothers were like a dub reggae 
group we sampled them nice. a couple of times that was kind of the first tune i think that we finished and certainly the first song of mine that ever was was cut to vinyl had a had a big sample from a twinkle brothers tune in it nice and oh, am i gonna say this out loud <laughs> oh i rapped on it oh wow Oh my Outrageous. god! Yeah. Is that is that findable on the internet? Is there audio Not. anywhere? Please, I have a copy of it on vinyl, but it <laughs> will never leave its sleeve. Ah, ah. I was just about never. to ask: Can Can Toby and I hear it privately? You absolutely <laughs> cannot. No, <laughs> absolutely not. No, I was appalling. The guy oh. I was in the group with was a much better rapper than me. So why did you do it? Because I was sixteen. Because he, he was ah. wanting to get, in, he was wanting to get into the game, yo. Yeah, yeah. He hadn't realised he was trash by then. We, uh, <laughs> mate, we were so trash. We won local competitions. <laughs> we won a mic. We won an SM58 at one of the local nightclubs. I mean, by competition, I think there was three acts entered, and we won <laughs> mainly because we had the most <laughs> friends there. And uh, I remember that was the moment, one of the most terrifying experiences of my life. Uh, the other guy I was doing it with was like, he loved the whole playing up to the crowd bit. I was like a rabbit in the headlights. And, uh, <laughs> Just yeah. rapping away quietly. It was, it was kind of like that. And, and it was dreadful. I hated it. And yeah, I, I, I couldn't bear the thought of anyone actually hearing that now. But it exists. <laughs> if, um, if any older members of our audience have video of that moment, please yeah, well, share it at thinkbreaks at gmail.com. This is before mobile phones, so there's no chance there's any video. Camcorders. Thing. Camcorders, yeah, I hope. Man's <sighs> in the ghetto couldn't afford camcorders. He's saying. <laughs> oh, no. Steal them, maybe. But... <laughs> no, no, no. There's, uh... But yeah, anyway, they're Twinkle Brothers is the answer to the original question. <laughs> nice. I suppose for me, it's got to be um, sampling the Temptations. I wish it would rain. For under the weather. No, I mean, I definitely yeah. sample plenty of stuff from many different sources before then, but I, that, that's the one that definitely sticks out the most. It was during that kind of era where that uh, Motown acapella pack was just in such circulation, mm. and you were getting tunes from like Net Sky and stuff. You know, I refuse, and mm. all of all of these samples that you can just hear from this pack. Even like Brooks Brothers, what was that mm. Brooks Brothers tune again? I forgot, I forget what the oh, tune's called uh, now, but. The, the the kind of dubstepy one, the uh, in your eyes is a big. There's a big song yeah, from that. There was that, and there was there was another one as well. But I, f I forget anyway. I'll just end up waffling on. <laughs> but yeah, um, yeah, under the weather for me, I suppose. With that temptations, I just I have such fond memory of just like re like cutting it up and repositioning it so it kind of worked with the kind of drum bass format, and I, f I even changed some of the kind of sentences and that. Nice. Um, oh, nice. So My, if you listen to the original, it kind of it doesn't sound exactly how it's sung in the original. It kind of does its own little thing at one point. That's quite um, good though. I think that's clever. Yeah. Mm. I mean, I don't know that. I think I don't think I necessarily at the time meant to do it, and it might have been a mistake. But after listening to the mistake, it was just like, oh well, it works. So <laughs> you know. I, um, am I right in remembering you sampled DJ Shadow once? Too? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So I sample. I sampled the DJ Shadow tune, but then that. DJ Shadow Tune would have sampled something else for sure. You know? Right, right. So it's yeah. like, that's, that's when you start getting into sam sampleception territory, you know? <laughs> that's a really interesting little link there because uh, Shadow um, famously sampled a lot of David Axelrod. 
and I sampled David Axelrod for Give Me The Girl. Oh, no way. No way. That whole intro is literally like, and it's a piss take of a sample as well. I probably even shouldn't be saying this out loud. Um, It's (laughs) like a good 30 seconds of uh, no way, of yeah. the intro of a of a David Axelrod song. Oh, it's been decades now. <laughs> yeah, and and then I went on to sample another related artist. It wasn't Axelrod himself, but one of his contemporaries for another song I did with again with UK Apache actually, and it was the same record that Dr. Dre sampled for. Oh, uh, my mind's gone blank. Really famous Dr. Dre song uh, with Snoop Dogg. Are still Dre. Um, it's no, be still Dre. No, 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 no. Yes, it was that. Yeah, yeah. Dum, okay, yeah. Dum, yeah. Dum, dum, no, dum, wait, wait, hold dum. on. Yeah. I thought no, 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 no. Was the next episode? Oh, was it? What the? No, I think bling, it's still Dre. I sampled yeah, that. Yeah, anyway. that's not still. I sampled that and a bit extra. Like off the same record, and again, yeah, that came via Axelrod, and I came to know Axelrod via listening to DJ Shadow and James Lavelle and Uncle and and those kind of people. Oh my God, um, we're wrong. It's not Still Dre. Still Dre's. It's the next episode. That's what I thought. Yeah. Yeah, we're wrong. We're wrong. I will take that win. Thank you. Yeah. You. Yeah. Apologies, Karen. It's all, it's all right. You guys are both um, fired now. I'm so sorry. Well, I was, I was non-committal. Ah, uh, fair enough. Look at this guy bringing in excuses. Yeah, man. <laughs> um, right, so to wrap up our chat about sampling then, um, we're going to introduce this little segment. We're going to start doing this a bit more regularly. And yeah, just like little kind of production tips, really, around the kind of topic that we've been discussing of the episode. Mm-hmm. Break it down. I think the first thing I'd ever do with any sort of sample is just to pitch it like either up or down or whatever, just so that it's at least different to the original source and not just for records, but like even for splice bits. I just, I feel like when you do pitch something, um, it introduces the sample in a different context. So when it comes to piano samples, I like pitching it down for some reason. And it's for some reason, I always find it between the two or three semitone mark. I just love it when it's pitched down that way as opposed to pitching a piano up but then stuff like strings and stuff i'd rather pitch up um it just based it's just based on the sound i think i don't know why i just end up gravitating towards higher strings and lower pianos i think a really cool thing with the pitching is to take a a loop not just a single sound but a full-on loop and then play it like an instrument on your keyboard you can and that's how a lot of the early drum and bass a lot of the crazy kind of uh, melodies and stuff, they had loops and they were playing them up and down the keyboard and you've got some really interesting, unique stuff that way. What, what I tend to do, and this is, this is down like the kind of creative processing route rather than correctional processing, but what I tend to do is I do quite a lot, if I've found like, say I've found like a nice kind of p- bit of piano or something or just like a pad, um, I would actually resample that quite a bit with different kind of processing and different automation, just so I've got these kind of like already exported loops in place of that sample with different variations. And then that way you can, you find yourself kind of uh, being able to arrange it and make a much more interesting arrangement out of those kind of sounds straight off the bat. Um, So that's, that's something I tend to do. 
hints and tips. I mean, what the first thing, and I've said this quite a few times recently, and I'm I'm going to reiterate it because I think it it bears repeating. But I feel like, particularly in drum and bass, in the last few years, there people have started looking down their nose at sampling a little bit, and there's a bit of an elitism around sound design and people like having feeling they're having to make their own snares and make their own kick drums. And yeah. if you want to do it, if you find it fun, crack on. All power. Uh, I don't think people should be scared of, of sampling and particularly beginners. I think particularly beginners because you get bogged down in sound design. When you're starting off, you don't need to do any of that, man. Don't get bogged down in it because you won't progress as quickly as you could as if you threw a load of samples in. Even also- yeah, even when it sorry, quickly, when even when it comes to drums and stuff, like you'd be surprised at the amount of like um big producers and stuff that when they come to making drums you might think that every single snare every single kick is being like made through serum or whatever or everything is like singular hit put together but a lot of people just use still to this day use drum loops mm-hmm. and it's absolutely fine to do that it's it's like the art i suppose is in matching them you know matching them tonally matching them rhythmically yeah yeah i mean toby completely took the words out of my mouth there i mean um Sorry, bro. Like, no, 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 it's completely <laughs> fine. <laughs> it means I have less to say. Woo! Yeah, true. <laughs> um, but no, it's so true about like a lot of the big names even use samples, like some loops from Splice or that sort of thing. Obviously, you know, try and disguise it and try some cool techniques on it and all. But mm. the first and initial thing which people sometimes forget is that vibe trumps anything else. Because... Like, um, who's going to bother listening to how you made your snare in serum if your tune isn't a vibe, you know? People mm. just skip. Like, you know, this sounds boring next sort of thing. Yeah. I think as well in the early stages of learning to produce, and for quite a while, actually, it's, it's quantity over quality. You need mm. to churn mm. through a lot of music. I mean, like you guys, I, I, yeah, how, many, how many tracks do you think you made before you got to the first one? It was like, oh, I think I can release this. I bet there was yeah, a lot. Yeah. A I kind of hurried up with releasing. That was not a good move. Not that, not that I cringe at any of my oldest stuff, but sometimes I think maybe I should slow down a bit. Yeah. It's need- like it's, it can be too easy to kind of put stuff out too quick without sitting yeah. on it. But again, that's mm. like an early learner's mistake as well. Yeah. Yeah. Sending things like- out too early. I've done that. Yeah. Like, I still do that now. And it's, it's all fair enough because it's like the excitement, isn't it? Yeah. You just want it. You want it to be heard. You're happy with how it's sounding. And it's giving you those kind of like endorphins and stuff of being like, oh, yeah, this is sick. I'm sick. And then, I've recently, yeah. recently realised that that little bit you've described there is the main driver that makes me make music. Yeah. It's that those initial... endorphins it gives you, yeah. <laughs> That little, that little rush from, from, from so I, there's a couple of key points for me. There's the point at which I realise as I'm working on the tune that I've made something half decent and I get that endorphin rush then. And then I think I get that when other people hear it and I get positive yeah. feedback. Yeah, yeah. I, actually, once my tunes are released, I lose complete interest in them. Yeah, totally. it's the case of the producer, isn't it? <laughs> it is, yeah, yeah, totally, totally. Yeah. But yeah, uh, that's pretty much the end of this segment. I reckon that's covered. We've talked about sampling our approaches and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right, gents. New segment time. Uh, so yeah, we've basically just ripped off Would I Lie to You, essentially. So, <laughs> <laughs> so one person is going to be guessing. Uh, the other players, there'll be one person that's telling the truth. The rest will be lying. So 
it's between me and Terry and Karen Ooh. will be guessing. Yay! So are you ready for this? No. In fact, here's the jingle. <laughs> Ding! Just to make sure I've got this right and just so that the audience have fully got my back. One mm-hmm. of you is lying. One of you is telling the truth. Yeah. Okay. That's correct. Right. I want to hear Terry's story first. Okay. Mampy Swift once mm-hmm. told me my ears were too big for my headphones. <laughs> okay. 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 <laughs> Before I question that, Toby, mm-hmm. what is your story? Okay, so I actually got into my first club event um, at the age of 16 using my mate's driving license. <clears throat> all right, all right, okay, okay, okay. Now, I'm going to think about it because both of those seem belie- believable. I'm sorry, Terry, about your ears. Um, actually, I've never seen Terry's ears, so... Um, right, I'm going to start with Terry. Mm. Where did you see Mampy Swift? This was, uh, I was playing at a club in Brighton on the mm-hmm. same billing as him. Interesting. Were you um, before or after him? I don't remember. It was like 15 ah. years ago. Oh, it was 15 years. Mm. How funny that you don't remember. No, um, and so what? He just came up to you for no reason. Just just tell you your ears were big. No, we were, we were mingling like you do when you're superstar DJs. Oh, superstar DJ. Oh, okay, okay, okay. <laughs> um, all right. Uh, what headphones did you have? I had, um, I'm pretty sure I had Sennheisers. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't remember the, the exact make. Sen? Uh, yeah, well, they may have been Sony's. I remember I had, I had two pair of DJ and headphones back in the days, and they were, they were Sennheisers and they were Sony's. I mean, Sennheisers are pretty big, and they do make I, small ones, though. <laughs> I don't know, but I don't feel like Shodan's very much of a Dumbo the elephant. You know what I mean? Mm. Um, so, Tobes, yeah, you were sixteen. Yes. Right? I mean, without being rude, you know, you do have the whole thing of looking a bit like you could pass off looking at, like if you were trying to fake an older age. So, wow. uh, well, you don't you don't remember what I looked like when I was younger, mate. I, I it's all I, I, it's very fat, round face, little cherub vibe. I looked young. Okay, okay, okay. I I, I remember you showing some very very old pictures of you. So I'm trying to base it off that as well from my right. memory. Um, so where was the event? So it was in Newcastle. Uh, it's obviously mm-hmm. when I was still living back with my parents and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Um, it was at a club in Newcastle called uh, World Headquarters. Uh, mm-hmm. This would have been 2007, right? So yeah, 2007. Years ago. Right. Do you remember who you saw? Yes, I do, of course. Um, it was Groove Rider and Clips, and then it was the rest of the... Um, like residents, the Newcastle residents, the guys that played at World Headquarters. I can't remember what the event name was. To be honest, it was that long ago, um, um, and I assumed. But it was a good night. Was this the first ever time you tried to get into an event? Into a nightclub, yes. Ah, okay, all right, all right. And were you questioned in any way, or did they just yeah. straight up where it go? All right. No, so eventually I didn't get let in um, because I tried to use someone else's ID and it didn't uh-huh. work. They just didn't fall for it. Um, so I ended up having to like go out into the streets and that and ring my mate who had gotten in. Um, and oh, what ended up right. happening is my mate came back out 
and snuck his uh, ID to me. Mm-hmm. Managed to get back in himself because the guy had already let him in, obviously. Then I can't come back with the ID, show him it. He looks at it, obviously knows it isn't me. Looks at me with just like a face of like, oh, fucking hell, mate. And it's just like, right, in your fuck. <laughs> and in I went. <laughs> oh, my God. All right. Um, so basically, the security guy took pity on you. It's essentially, yeah. Essentially, mate. <laughs> uh, it's because I was trying. I was just trying. I was. Just, I was just trying so much, and he's he obviously just like, you know what? This kid's, this kid's dying to go in. His mates have obviously gone in. So yeah, but, yeah. Hmm. That's pretty much. That's pretty much all I can tell you, really. See, this the thing. I both of those to me seem like lies, right? Because really? I don't. F- because wow. I don't feel like Mampy Swift would be the kind of guy to just tell someone their ears are big. So why is right. mine a lie? And I don't know. I don't know if a security guard would possibly risk his job to let an underage guy in. You've clearly never been in Newcastle. Well, no, of course not. Why would I? No, I'm kidding. Um, I've never been to Newcastle. No, I've been once to Newcastle, but that was more for a university interview. So completely oh, okay. different lifestyle choice right there. Um, <laughs> hmm. You I must am- choose. I know, I know, I know, I know. This is tough. This is this is probably the hardest decision I've made in my life. Um, who's it gonna be? Uh, am I saying who's lying or who's telling the truth? You're trying to find out who is telling the truth. I think the truth teller is Terry. Correct. Hey, yeah, let's go. No. Let's go. <laughs> I don't know why. I don't know. There was something like there's something about Terry's story that just seems so silly that it was true. Do you, want, do you want to know something? Mm-hmm. My story was 100% factual, except the fact that I was 17 and not 16. Oh, come on. Seriously? <laughs> so so sure, you can't surely say, that like, that's count. an unbelievable story because it happened. It happened. Mm, surely that that... What? Hmm. See, maybe I've just got too much respect for security, security in nightclubs. I would have thought they just yeah. wouldn't risk their job and just be strict about it. Um, uh, yeah. I guess it depends on the person, right? Mm. So, yeah, I mean, so for the record, there was one minor factual inaccuracy in my story. Uh-oh. And oh, that no. was, it wasn't my headphones. He was oh, taking okay. the mic out of. It was his headphones. So this came about, we were outside. I, I'm sure it was Concord 2 in, in, in Brighton, but it could have been anywhere. I was very drunk. Um. Mm. Mampy Swift and Steve Fantasy were chatting away because they know each other well. And I was there with Fantasy. I think we'd played back to back that night. And being quite drunk, I was quite cheeky. And I, we were talking about headphones. And I was like, he had the, the Sennheiser, is it the SD25s? And they're really quite small. Mm. Yeah, they're quite yeah. small headphones. And I was just like, I can't get on with them. Like everyone was using them at the time. And I can't get on with them. And he, he, he joked and he made a comment that my ears were too big for them. Oh, okay. But he was, yeah, it was Bance. It was, it was good. He's a, he's a lovely guy. (laughs) Mappy Swift, uh, if you're listening, Showdown hasn't forgiven you. Oh, of course I've forgiven. (laughs) He was a diamond, and is a diamond. I haven't spoken to him for years, but uh, lovely bloke. Played a few of our tunes, um, and also a legend. The scene made some Mm. amazing tracks, and I was really pleased to see him come back recently and and start releasing. Insane DJ as well. An insane DJ, the the most underrated DJ in drum and bass. Hundred percent. Yeah, yeah. Wow. 
Nice. Can't believe I got that right. I'm kind of proud of myself. Yeah, you got it right. I was kind of hoping for the first one. It would be like a, I don't know, take a while for someone to get one right. But you did it. You, you yeah, I did it. it. So fair do, play, do, mate, I, do fair I get play. a do, do I get a like a victory jingle like how in the Final Fantasy games you get the. Do I get that? You know what? I'm going. I'm going to sample the thing from Final Fantasy over you doing it just then. So there you go. Yes, <laughs> I will There's... take that. Okay. Yeah. So I hope. I hope you lot enjoyed that. I hope the listeners enjoyed that. Uh, mm. Yeah. <laughs> forever, forever ripping off uh, segments. <laughs> we love it. Um. Okay. So we're just gonna we're gonna kind of um, round this up. I suppose with just a bit of news. Like bit of news. Think breaking news. <laughs> um, I don't know if you lot saw this, but it's pretty crazy, I thought. Mm-hmm. So um a good friend of ours, Flo Anastasia, she's been on the show. Uh she yes. recently has had a track with Nympho, which is on her album, I believe, uh, River Flows. That's a great tune. track. It, I, even great I track. like it. I really yeah, like yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, really good tune. Do you know who shared it on Twitter? Yes. Oh, yeah. It was oh, a yeah. crazy big name, wasn't it? I yeah. remember T-Pain, T-Pain shared it, didn't he? Yeah. yeah. So apparently it came up on his Twitch stream, and then after, after it played, he must have liked it so much that he, you know, shared it on his Twitter. Um, but that is, that is super cool, and how, how surreal and weird is that? Like... Yeah, Imagine she's got that. an amazing voice. I, it is, it is I my really shame like to admit that I didn't really know much about her and I didn't actually listen to the episode she was in. <gasps> and this guy hosts with us? What? I know, <laughs> terrible. But then when I heard that tune, I was like, wow, what a voice. Yeah, yeah. oh, she's brilliant. Mm. Uh, we need to get her back on the show at some point, really. I know she. Yeah, she's I've got all the time busy. in the world for Flo and also Tiaku, yeah. who does all of her yeah, engineering. Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. So maybe we can get them back on. You can actually have a chat to them at some point. Yeah, recap well. with the both of them. Um, but yeah, I just thought that was really cool. You know, I love to see kind of like big artists kind of, you know, giving the limelight on a little, mm. little mm. shine to the to the lower artists and that and the upcoming. To artists who deserve it as well, I think. Yeah. And Mm. like, I would never expect T-Pain to be like, to hear some drum and bass and be like, oh yeah, I'll fuck with this, you know? Mm. He streams. I think, I think what he does is he actually live streams and people share tunes with him on those. Ah, so people literally sent him the track. So people send him tracks. I think that's what it is. Yeah. And if he likes them enough, I guess he'll give them a post. I wonder how many he actually posts on his Mm. Twitter then. Yeah. I might, um, Send him we'll have some. to go through his Twitch and just yeah, see just if we can find that thing. Yeah. Send him all the Colossus tunes and Showdown <laughs> tunes. Let's go. Yeah, but very well done to you, Anna. That's 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 yeah. much love, Flo. Really cool stuff, really cool stuff. Um all right, we'll end the we'll end the uh, news with our usual weird news story. Of our odd news story of the day. Yes. So this is a classic one. We've all we've all read a title like this, but missing man accidentally joins a massive search party <laughs> looking for himself. <laughs> I love those stories. They're my favorite. <laughs> so like last time, do you, where, where do you reckon that this is? Where do we think this is? I am going to guess Australia. Okay. I think this is here. I think this is in the UK. All right, you're both wrong. It's actually Turkey. Weirdly. Oh, wow. Ah. But there's two, you know, there's not an awful lot to be said about this, really. It's quite self-explanatory, you know. Man was missing for a bit, didn't realise he was missing, found a search party, got involved. A few hours later, was like, who were you searching for, by the way? And then they say his name. <laughs> he didn't like, oh. realise he was missing. Just that one statement. <laughs> like, yeah. Oh, I have no idea. 
Yeah. <laughs> Can you imagine how much worse it would have been if he was like, what a coincidence. That's also my name. Yeah, yeah, yeah he's just a oblivious. <laughs> you think I, he would I, ask? You think he would ask her like a few hours earlier, you know? Like, by the way, who yeah, like for? maybe when you start the search? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. He, he just, it sounded like more like he just wanted to join along and just be like, look, there's people here. Have fun. Yeah. <laughs> swept along with it. This is fun. Yay! What are we doing? It, it amazes me how regular these things happen because this this was on it's the first of yeah. October, you know. Mm. Wow! And I've definitely seen seen like weird little articles about that like years and years ago. Yeah, yeah. I feel like we see a story like that every few years. Yeah, exactly. People are weird. So <laughs> true. People are very strange. True, true. And um, yeah, that brings us to the end of the show, doesn't it, boys? Yeah. It does. Yeah, uh, that's been a vibe. Thank you both for coming on on this pretty jeery day. But um, mm. but yeah, um, I hope everyone who has listened in has enjoyed their time with us. Uh, if you're listening on any of your platforms, comment section below. Let us know if, what your favourite samples are from records. Or if you're a producer, let us know some of your favourite techniques. Um if um, you guys were playing along as well with our Would I Lie to You section, let us know if you got it right, whether it was Terry or it was Toby who was telling the truth as well. Um, apart from that, if you've enjoyed the show, please leave a review at podchaser.com slash dinkbreakspodcast. That's podchaser.com slash dinkbreakspodcast. Any review helps, so please tell us we are the greatest thing since sliced bread. Thank you very much. Patreon, if you want to become a patron, it's patreon.com slash dinkbreaks, patreon.com slash dinkbreaks. Other things... Uh, live streams twitch.tv slash dinkbreaks we're live every other friday doing feedback sessions consider coming down consider subbing to us for free using your amazon prime sub as well mm. uh it's the three of us as well the terrible trio hosting um and you know they're good fun aren't they guys they're good fun yeah i love doing it yeah so that's every other friday um apart from that I think that's everything I need to wrap up with. So we've been Think Breaks and you've been amazing. See you all next time. Peace. See ya. Peace.